It's Wednesday, November 28th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Ellen. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Options, Brian Hinman, and from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Catherine Bab-Magira. Good to see you guys. Thanks for being here. Hey, Chris. Uh, we have got coffee earnings, we have got grocery earnings, and we have yet another special dividend, which is the, the trend that just keeps on giving this year. But let's start with... Green Mountain Coffee Roasters shares up more than 20% this morning. Fourth quarter earnings came in much higher than expected, Brian. Um, I know this is a stock that you guys follow at Motley Fool Options. What did you think of the quarter? Because this is a stock that has a big short interest. So I'm wondering what effect that's having on the stock today. Yeah, this is certainly a battleground stock. People uh, betting big on in both directions. And, and typically when you get battleground stocks and something out of the ordinary happens, you get a big reaction, and that's what we're seeing today. So this was a good quarter. The, the, let's make no bones about it. Uh, brewer and portion pack sales were pretty strong, and uh, I think today's reaction was a bit of a short squeeze. I mean, not too long ago, we had David Einhorn uh, giving his presentation at the Vic, which we spoke about a little bit, Yep. Um, that he was short Green Mountain for uh, many, many, many reasons, and you know wanted to double down on it. And this is, just to set the context, that was a year ago, October, and... You know, if you had shorted the stock at the time, even with the pop today, you're, you're still doing well. But uh, this certainly goes against the short thesis. For sure. And at this last uh, Value Investing Congress, uh, he went back to the well and said, uh, the company is still falling apart. Go back for more. Uh, <laughs> and so people people did pile on top of that, that people do follow Einhorn pretty closely. Uh, and I think that the, that the, that the jump uh, this morning uh, has a lot to do with those shorts getting squeezed. But, I mean, this, is, this was a very good quarter. Um, we need to remember that the outgoing there's an outgoing CEO here, um, and so you knew he was going to uh, press as hard as he could to have you know to go out on a bang, if you will. Yep. Um, it's important to know though that there was an extra week in this quarter, um, which if you strip that out, um, the growth was you know a little more tempered, still a beat, but more tempered than uh, you know the headline numbers show. Um, but the the big picture here is still that. Um, Green Mountain's business is sort of under attack. Uh, the moat around its business is weakening, uh, and there are a lot of uh, structural issues in the in the business. It doesn't generate a lot of cash um, that you know make me worry uh, if I were a long term shareholder. Cat, is this a stock? And and uh, I mean, I think Brian, I think you hit the nail on the head with calling this a battleground stock. Is this a stock that interests you at all? And, and broadening out from that, do do those types of stocks, as an analyst, do those types of stocks intrigue you, sort of the, the conviction stock, the battleground stock? Or do, or do you, as an investor, look at a stock like that and say, you know what, I'm going to focus my attention somewhere else? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a pretty crowded field. I don't have much to add in the way of uh, even a contrarian view. Uh, Brian, uh, I'm just going to be selfish for a moment as a longtime Starbucks shareholder. Uh, when you look at the results, and as we, as you said, these are good results. Part of the good results are just those those K cup packs, which Dunkin' Donuts makes and sells, Starbucks as well. How much of a ripple effect might there be for companies like that when you look at their next quarterly earnings, or is it such a small piece of the overall pie for them that I shouldn't get too excited? Yeah, it's a pretty small piece of the pie for them, and it's important to realize that uh, they are uh, licensee partners with. Uh, Green Mountain. So Green Mountain has sought them out and basically said, can I use your coffee to put in my K-Cups? However, sales have been good. I mean, Starbucks, um, you know, in a incredibly short amount of time became the number one K-Cup brand. Um, And so 
that's what we're seeing here is, you know, the, the number of brewers that, that uh, Keurig through Green Mountain is putting out there uh, has grown really rapidly. And in 2007, um, so the single cup uh, market was only, uh, I think, 11%. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, at the end of 2011, it was 50%. So they've been able to place these machines in people's homes at an incredible rate. Uh, and you've that has refl- been reflected in the growth and uh, of the of of Green Mountain, uh, but we're really coming up to a point where uh, that growth. It, you know, you wonder how much more they can get out of that, how many more conversions they can get. At the same time, there, you know, Starbucks put out a machine, um, Nespresso, uh, which is owned by Nestle, uh, has really stepped up their U.S. marketing, um, and you're, and with K cups coming off patent, uh, Green Mountain has had to introduce a new machine. Uh, they're doing this so that they can get uh, new patents on the pods to keep the gross margins up on those. Um, and I really think that if you're a consumer now, you're going to walk into the store and you're going to see all these different options and you're going to get a little confused. You're not sure if you want to Keurig with K-Cups. You're not sure if you want a Keurig View. There's a Starbucks version. There's a you got all these choices right. now that uh, you know Green Mountain is going to have to spend a heck of a lot of money on marketing to make sure that the consumer understands what they're buying and and which product is right for them. Do you have them. one of those machines? I don't. I, I'm Do a little bit have? of a coffee snob. I've always wanted one for Christmas. <laughs> okay, Hint. so so if you so if your husband, cat's husband, if your husband's listening, um, let's just wrap up on the stock. Uh, shares are trading around thirty five dollars. That is certainly up from the lows that we saw in July, but that is still down from the fifty two week high, which is over seventy. Uh, does the stock interest you at this price, or is this uh, still just too touchy a stock? I think it's too touchy a stock for me. I mean, I can't look out five or ten years and be confident that the moat that exists in this razor razor blade model is still going to be around. However, I can you know I can stay in the same uh, in the same field and say you know Starbucks appears to be widening its moat. Uh, that's a, a stock that I'd be much more comfortable investing in. Fresh Markets third quarter earnings came in up 19%. The specialty grocer also came in with double-digit revenue growth. And Cat, those both sound good to me. So I have to ask, why is the stock down about 15% this morning? Absolutely. I totally agree with you. It was a great quarter. I think the thing that's catching up with the stock, though, are these consistently super high expectations. Uh, you also had today the CFO announcing her res- her resignation. Yep. Uh, she's just taking a job somewhere else. I don't think it's anything to be concerned That's about. That's not a red flag? I don't think so in this case. She's from a retail background, and she's going and accepting another um, sort of hardcore retail job. Okay. So I'm not alarmed about that. Um, and just like you said, uh, they had revenues up 22%, net income up something like 19%. Some very, very strong growth. Um I think some investors sort of misunderstand the fresh market, though, especially if you've never been into one of these stores. I've never um, been. This is like a regional grocery chain, mainly in the southeast. Is that is that correct? Yes and no. Um, definitely true that it is in the southeast. I'm from South Carolina, and I remember seeing these stores for okay. going 15 years back. Um, but I think it's less a grocery store than it is really a restaurant. You see like oh, okay. 70% of their sales come from perishable goods. It's more of a high-end deli than a grocery store, and you see that in their net uh, profit margins, which are even better than Whole Foods. Um, so really, I think the market is pricing the stock more like a restaurant stock, like a BJ's, Chipotle, or Panera. Um, well, some investors sit back and say, like, why would you assign 40x earnings to a grocery store? I was going to say, yeah. 
Um, you mentioned Whole Foods. Um, is there is there going to be a ripple effect? Because you're, I've already seen some reports this morning in terms of Whole Foods stock, which has done well of late. But I think there are some people trying to read the tea leaves of fresh market and saying, well, look, if this is what's going on with this smaller um, relatively similar business model in fresh market, then the ripple effect for Whole Foods trying to, again, read the tea leaves for the next quarter, it could be bad. Do you buy into that or is it enough of a different business? I do think it is a slightly uh, different business, not so much in the margins, but in the uh, consumer appeal. The fresh market is like Whole Foods without the annoying healthiness. Um, <laughs> Being in the South, um, it focuses more on the delicious factor than it does on the organic green factor, uh, which I can appreciate. But uh, I don't think necessarily that if the fresh market and Whole Foods are in the same game. The kind of consumer that goes into the fresh market is not necessarily the, the same one who's attracted to Whole Foods. So um, I don't think that this necessarily bodes bad for for Whole Foods. I love that you have just cast this as a, as a battle between organic green and deliciousness. Um, I love it for a couple of reasons, not the least of which... Is that not clear? Uh, it, it, it's because Brian is sitting here. And we, we were talking before the taping about, about Brian's diet, um, which is... Um, you know, unusual. It's an unusual diet, but I think I think you would say, Brian, that your diet is a healthy one, or at least it works for you. But uh, are, what do you think of that? As, like when you just step back from the personal attack I just made on your diet, um, <laughs> and as an analyst, do you look at do you look at Whole Foods in the same way? Do you look at it as look? They're clearly making more a bet on organic trends than they are on, to use Cat's word, deliciousness. Well, I do think that that is is largely the case of how Whole Foods sort of got going. Um, however, as Whole, Whole Foods goes more mainstream, uh, they can't force everyone to drink kale shakes, which might not taste very good. Uh, and so, might not. <laughs> and so you 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 see. There's no way I've never had I'm a kale it like shake. It's a bad thing that they can't force us to. <laughs> well, you see things in in Whole Foods now, uh, like they have a cookie bar in our local Alexandria yeah. one, right? You're, you're not going to convince me that those cookies are, uh, even though they're made with organic ingredients, that they are healthy for you. They also just put in uh, a wine bar um, yes. uh, where they also serve you know, beer and coffee. So uh, I do not think these two things are mutually exclusive. However, uh, I think it gets harder and harder and harder as you go more mainstream. Uh, let's just go back to fresh market stock. And Kat, when you look at it, obviously it is on sale today. Um, and for people who looked at it yesterday and said, look, this is a stock that is priced to perfection. Uh, when you look at it now, is it more attractive uh, or is it still priced to enough perfection that you are would be cautious as an investor? I've had this one on my watch list for a while, and while the pullback today is definitely welcome, I've been waiting to get in at a cheaper price. It's still not quite there for me. Okay. So let's see another ten bucks come off the share <laughs> price, and then I'll get super interested. But uh, not fi- just yet. Finally, uh, Costco has become the latest company to pay out a special one-time dividend to the tune of about three billion dollars, and this is something we've seen as uh, as investors. We've seen the debate uh, over the fiscal cliff, and one of the ways it's manifesting itself is more and more companies are coming out with these special one-time dividends. Earlier this week, Brown Foreman announced uh, $4 a share. They're going to pay out before the end of the year. Uh, Las Vegas Sands, two seventy-five a share. 
uh, is Apple next? Because I, I'm not an Apple shareholder, but I look at Apple with all that cash on the balance sheet, and I have to wonder, at what point are they going to do it? Because the clock is running out. I mean, are, is, is that legitimate to look at that? Like, if you're a shareholder at Apple, is it legitimate to say, look, everyone else is, is doing this. You should be doing this, too. Uh, yeah. Why not? Uh, you're, you're a shareholder, and you know some proportion of the company's cash uh, is yours as as an owner of that company. So you should a- absolutely be able to raise uh, that question. Uh, the problem that you're going to bump up against now is it's the end of November. Uh, these decisions are made by boards of directors, uh, and the board of directors would have to probably call you know a special meeting to to make some sort of decision in that in that regard. But you're right, Chris. We've seen we've seen a lot of this, and you're you know you're smart, I think, to, to look at Apple as a company that could potentially do this. I ran a quick uh, screen on the S&P 500 where I took out financials uh, and found that there were 66 companies uh, with cash and investments greater than 25% of their market cap. Wow. Um, now, every business is different with how much cash they need to keep on hand to run their business well. And every business is different with uh, how it chooses to finance itself and how conservative it is with its balance sheet. Um, but you hit on Apple. Uh, tech makes up uh, basically a third of those 66 names. Um, tech balance sheets are generally uh, very healthy uh, and have these huge cash balances. Companies like Dell, SanDisk, Cisco, Western Digital, Microsoft. Uh, you get these companies that have so much money. Uh, if, if their plans are to return it at some point, uh, I think companies are silly not to at least consider paying a special dividend now, uh, which would build immense goodwill with shareholders, um, it's worth looking into. Yeah, I'm a Microsoft shareholder, and it would be, build a lot of goodwill if instead – because <laughs> I've seen time after time them taking money and just making an acquisition that doesn't work out. Cat, I mean, when you look out across the investing universe, what's a company that – You've already made a public call for your husband to buy you a, a you know a Verismo or a, you know a Keurig Absolutely. machine. Um, is there a company you want to call out and say, "Come on, I've seen your balance sheet. It's time for you guys to really consider the special one-time dividend." Well, to be honest, Apple is the first one that comes to mind. But in my small cap universe, um, I think like you saw a company like the Buckle, the teen clothing retailer, give uh-huh. out a, a more than generous special dividend. So I was really happy about that. Um, Little companies like the WWE and uh, Wet Seal, I would love to see them get rid of uh, what I think are two substantial cash balances. Yeah, I think I think the the major consideration, um, if you're a shareholder before you start pounding the table and you know and going to going to the annual general meetings and, and saying where's my money, pay me a special dividend, is you need to consider the reinv- the reinvestment needs and reinvestment opportunities of the business. So you look at a company like Costco, and it's interesting, right? Because they still have a lot of room to grow. They generally buy the land where they build their stores on. Right. Um, the fact is, though, that they have enough cash and they grow at a controlled manner that they don't need all of it. But they still have you know, plenty of reinvestment opportunities. You look at a company like Microsoft and you're starting to say, man, or Apple, and man, they have places they can reinvest, but do they really ha- have that much need? Land acquisition is not part of the program if you're at Microsoft <laughs> or Apple. Right. Uh, before we wrap up, I should mention uh, Motley Fool Options, the service that you work on, is opening 
next week. I think it's December 4th. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Um, So for people who are interested in learning more, uh, we've set up a free microsite. It's MotleyFoolOptionsWiz.com, and that's Wiz with an H-W-H-I-Z, MotleyFoolOptionsWiz.com. If if folks go there, what are they going to find, Brian? Yeah, they're going to find a lot of educational material, actually, because uh, – well, when we've spoken about options on the podcast before, uh, people generally get very excited, uh, and a large proportion of the people have their eyes glaze over and go, you know, hide under a rock because options involves its own lingo. Um, so what we've done is we've put out a bunch of educational material to basically say, hey, look, uh, options are simply a tool, you know, that you can add to your toolbox to become a better investor. If you spend a little time getting to know, you know, the basics, uh, it can be a tool that serves you really well. And we think that, you know, most investors uh, can grasp it. So uh, spend a little time with the introductory material and uh, see if it's right for you. One of those videos is me, uh, is, is Jeff Fisher teaching me options. And I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised that it actually worked. Yeah, you are, you are our voice, voice of the options uh, newbie. And, uh, you, you know, you did a great job. Uh, I, I think that you have a better understanding now than you did prior to. I absolutely do. So, so that's great. All right, Brian Hinman, Kat Pamagera, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.